are few things on earth that generate more conversation than wine. For many, the thirst for wine knowledge becomes an obsession. We all know people who are passionate about sharing that knowledge and their opinions about wine. We call some of those folks sommeliers, wine aficionados, wine experts, wine gurus, and the most commonly used title, boring. Welcome to Grape Encounters. We love wine just as much as anyone else, but while we crave those special wines that are silky smooth and go down so easy, we find an awful lot of the conversations about wine pretty hard to swallow. There is one overriding premise here at Grape Encounters. Wine pairs best with life. Accordingly, your host David Wilson, his guests, and the rest of us on the team are here to show you a great time, how to have more fun with your wine, where to enjoy wine the most, how to immerse yourself into a wine lifestyle that isn't simply about wine. So let's dive into this week's edition of Grape Encounters. Oh, you'll learn plenty, but hopefully it will be knowledge that you can really use. Not like that Latin class you took in high school. Here's your wine captain, David Wilson. And it's time for your weekly Grape Encounter. And you know what? Today we're going to talk about a very light subject. And it is something that people talk to me about all the time. And it's not really about varietals or anything like that. It's about the wine tasting experience and the issue that a lot of people have. They've got children, but that keeps them from going out and doing wine tasting trips because, you know, what are you going to do with the kids? But it turns out, really, that your fears are unfounded. And I got this great press release from the Wine Institute, which is my favorite wine organization of them all. They are the big kahuna when it comes to California wine. They're an advocacy group. They do so much work legislatively. They help wineries grow. They help the industry grow. They help California wines get all over the country and all over the world. And the VP of the Wine Institute is with me now, Nancy Light. Thanks for being on, Nancy. Great to be here, David. You know what? The last time I saw you, we were up in Sacramento. No, you were over in Sacramento, right? That's and right. <laughs> and I was up in Sacramento and it was the release of Janet Fletcher's cookbook that you guys have gotten involved with. That was so much fun. It's such a great book, don't you think? I mean, without having a little bragging rights here, it actually was a, a Wine Institute concept and Janet was the writer. Of course, she does such an amazing job and we worked together with her in a previous book called Down to Earth and that was focused specifically just on, on wine uh, vineyards and wineries. But One Country Table is California agriculture, food and wine through a sustainability lens. You know, it was, it was such an interesting format for a book, and I'd never seen that before, but the, the idea was that you showcase wineries, you know, especially wineries that are sustainable and wineries that have been around for a long, long time, and then you showcase the produce and other food fare that is indigenous to that area, and she gets into even how you approach these different vegetables and things. I thought it was really brilliant brilliant. And then a recipe follows. And it was... Exactly. But, you know, it's such a cornucopia in California, right? And we have this terrific state that has really different wine culture, different growing conditions. I mean, we're all really healthy and sustainable in general. So really, you know, we, we profiled, as you said, 15 wineries 
and um, another 22 farms. And they're really representing many, many you know, thousands of other growers of crops and vintners. You know, we grow 400 specialty crops in California. We're, we're the number one producer of specialty crops. But just really to show what leadership we really have in, in the state of California, not just in our winery space, but in our food in general. Yeah, and I always sometimes I feel like I talk about California you know, quite a bit more than I talk about other states. But the reality is, is that we supply almost all of the wine that's consumed domestically here in the United States. So California is very critical to wine lovers, you know, from one end of the country to the other. That's true. I mean, we do make about now 81% of all U.S. produced wines. Actually, our market share is, um, because we're such a big import market as well, is closer to 60%. So we are definitely dominant, but as you know, it's a very, very competitive market out there in terms of wine. And by the way, toward the end of the show, we're going to be talking about tariffs because that's really having an impact on the California wine business, and I'm sure the wine business from other states as well. But we're going to get into that. We're going to keep it light right now, though, because that's a complicated subject. So we're going to have somebody else on from the Wine Institute talking about that. But let's go to this topic of family-friendly wineries. And as I said at the beginning, I get asked this question all the time. It's like, how can I really get out there and taste wines when, you know, I got two or three kids? You can't put them in a kennel, right? You could, you, <laughs> no, no well, that's right? another subject. We have dog-friendly wineries too. But, yeah, well, yeah, but no, absolutely. I mean, I think as you said, and I'm glad to hear that you're. You know, it answers questions that you've been getting. We felt the same way, and knowing that we're kind of coming up on the summer vacation season, and people might be traveling and coming. Certainly, to you know, a lot of people coming to San Francisco or Los Angeles and wanting to get out into the country a little bit. The adults hankering to maybe visit a couple of wineries. You know, what do they do? And so we wanted to. We reached out to our wineries, and again, this is representative of you know a much larger group that welcome families and children, but really said, you know what, do you, welcome, number one, do you want to have families visiting? And, and many, as you can see, are doing special things to make it fun and interesting. You know, number one, it's a day out in nature, right? Wineries are working farms. Right, yeah. Down to it. So, you know, it's not a stretch to think that there would be some, you know, just that the setting would be interesting to kids, but, you know, what do they do when you are at that point where you are sitting and tasting wine? And, you know, I was thinking back to maybe just like 15 years ago, and I'm talking about Las Vegas, because they did something very similar. For a long, long time, Vegas was only geared toward adults. And then they started to realize, wait a second, you know, adults have kids and the kids, you know, need something to do. The kids were fish out of water going to Las Mm -hmm. Vegas. And so Vegas became family friendly and the parents could do the things that they love to do and the kids could do the things they love to do. And that's really overwhelmed Las Vegas in recent years. You know, it's just all about Mm -hmm. family now and it's not all about gambling and there are revenues that come in from a variety of places not just slot machines but the wine industry certainly here in California and I want to say this that I'm guessing that in other states there are similar programs so I really want to just encourage people don't rule out going wine tasting anywhere in this country because this is something that the wineries are acutely tuned into and they want to cater not just to adults but families you know these are people after all that have families and you know exactly you know you, you could probably speak to the idea that in the wine industry probably more than almost any business i can think of you're going to find generations working together absolutely and i was going to add that, that really in uh, kind of a different characteristic i think what's really motivating this in the wine industry is that as you say it's predominantly it's 99.9 percent family run businesses often multi-generations and there are kids and um you know 
know, that motivates a lot about the businesses, but certainly understanding that, you know, they have children um, and what would they be doing with their children when they're coming to the winery, I think is a big part of it for many of them. I mean, and the others, you know, we have broken this down into a couple of different categories. And as I said, this is just representative of a sampling of wineries. We, we do recommend that people call first just to find out if the winery does welcome children. There's certainly situations where people are paying for specific kinds of experiences and those might not necessarily be appropriate and, and you know they're not set up to do that but in the cases as many many again as working farms that actually have farm animals for children or grape juice tastings and others you know go far beyond that with the activities that they really offer because they want to be known as you know want to really make that connection between this is a family business this is agriculture this is a place that we think you should be enjoying and understanding more about what we do yeah and then you know just to reiterate you know wineries are so much about family and and seldom do I go visit a winery that doesn't have deep family roots. Now, to be fair, a lot of those wineries have been bought by larger companies, but even those companies are very, very sensitive to the family issue. And I think that by and large, there's a misconception that wineries are all about adults and nothing more. I think you're absolutely right. Large companies are often family-owned or at least controlled. Yeah, exactly. Well. They, yeah, exactly. You know, again, it's agriculture, which tends to be individuals and families. Yeah, and you know, even a lot of vineyard owners are also into other things besides just growing grapes. You know, there are multiple crops that I've seen with families. Mm-hmm. There, there's a lot of that that goes on. And the family spirit among winemakers is like nothing I've ever experienced in my life. It's, it's one of the reasons why I continue to do what I do because I love these people. They're just awesome people. Nancy, can you hang on for a second? We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to look at some of the things that wineries are doing to make themselves more family-friendly, or very family-friendly, I think would be a better way of putting it. And we'll be back with Nancy Light, Vice President of the Wine Institute, right after this. For months, you've heard me talking about Peak Ranch in the breathtaking Santa Ynez Valley on California's Central Coast. Now, while the wines have been available for the past year or so, John and Jillian Wagner have been working diligently to complete the construction of their world-class tasting room and winery on one of California's most historic vineyards. I'm delighted to tell you that their winery and tasting room are now complete, and they're having a grand opening party on Memorial Day weekend, May 25th and 26th, from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. each day. There's going to be live music, local food vendors, and a variety of wine flights, all sourced from their estate vineyards. Plus, you can visit the historic Sanford Tasting Room, featured in the movie Sideways. For more information, just log on to peakranch.com. Do you ever wonder what goes on in the Grape Encounter studio while you're listening to the commercial break? Research. Yeah, that's what we do. Research. You can never do too much research. We like to talk about wine. The Oregon Wine Experience's Founders Barrel Auction on Friday, August 23rd is an afternoon of elegance. Sample wine futures from Authentique Wine Cellars, Hewitt Cellars, Laurel Ridge Winery, Left Coast Estate, Russell Prayer Rock Vineyards, Stone Griffin Vineyard, Vulcan Cellars, plus many more. The action takes off as you bid on the opportunity to win a case or the whole barrel of Oregon's finest wines. Go to TheOregonWineExperience.com to purchase tickets. The Oregon Wine Experience, it's everything Oregon. In Greek mythology, we learn the mysterious connection between walnuts and wine. When Dionysus, the god of wine, fell in love with Princess Caria of Laconia... 
Her sisters tried to prevent the romance, so Dionysus turned them into rocks. He also turned his beloved Garia into a walnut tree. She was, after all, a hard nut to crack. At mmorganics.com in Paso Robles, California, Walnuts and Wine is the ultimate love story. You'll flip over their 100% organic port-style dessert wines and organic heirloom walnut products, including sprouted snacking walnuts in five awesome flavors, irresistible raw organic walnut butter, free trade chocolate-covered walnuts, and for bakers, MM Organics produces 100% gluten-free walnut flour, estate walnut oil, and of course, their crazy delicious raw walnuts. Get all their products online at mmorganics.com. That's mmorganics.com. Nestled right in between two world-class wine countries, Paso Robles and San Luis Obispo, the warm and inviting city of Atascadero is the perfect gateway to nearly endless wine country adventures. Cozy and oh-so-friendly, make historic Atascadero home base for adventures to hundreds of surrounding wineries, the nearby Pacific, and magical Hearst Castle, plus an amazing array of attractions from ziplining to delectable dining. Discover all that affordable Atascadero has to offer at visitatascadero.com. Welcome back to Grape Encounters Radio. Since we aren't a TV show, we'd love for you to see and learn more about our incredible wine country town. Check out visitatascadero.com. Once you see how good we've got it, Maybe you'll plan a trip to see us in person. Hey, back with Grape Encounters Radio. And if you are not planning to go wine tasting or take a wine tasting trip this summer because you've got kids, there's good news. Your kids are welcome. And, you know, it's really something that I think most people probably don't realize just how family-friendly wineries are. So we have on today Nancy Light. She's the vice president of the Wine Institute. By the way, Nancy, I am so appreciative of the, all the great stories that you toss my way. But well, we're so happy. You guys are always generating news, and it is always great to have you as a resource for many of the stories that we cover. But this story, I don't know, this one just warmed my heart. I read about all of these wineries that are just bending over backwards to create a family experience. And before we get into some of the examples, I was just wondering this, is there some sort of resistance out there when it comes to taking kids to a winery because, oh gosh, there's alcohol there? What do you think the general attitude is out in the mainstream public? You know, I think it probably varies depending on the part of the country and the individuals. But, I mean, if drinking wine and other alcoholic beverages are part of someone's lifestyle, then I think I would take the position that they should be educating their children on how to responsibly and moderately enjoy um, the product. And I think one way to do that is to have them see that this is a product of agriculture, to be in a winery, understand that it's an agricultural business. So, you know, I guess some people may have that attitude. And as I think, as we mentioned, you know, not all wineries are set up to receive families, but many, because they are family businesses, are really uh, wanting to embrace this and have gone to the trouble of putting together special programs. I think you make a really good point, too, because, you know, mom and dad brings home a bottle of wine and it's something that only adults can have. But if the kids can get out and really understand that wine is a cultural thing, that wine is something to be revered and not abused, I think they're going to have a very different attitude toward 
started as they grow up. And it shouldn't be a mystery. It's just that thing that they can't touch that's on the table. And they shouldn't, by the way. But I think it's great that they're doing this. So let's jump into some examples of what the wineries are doing. I really want to jump down first to a winery that I think is really a great place to go. If you're kids, it's the Francis Ford Coppola Winery in Geyserville in Sonoma County. That place is terrific, isn't it? It is wonderful. And um, in fact, they're profiled in the in the Wine Country Table book that recently came out. But again, the, the Coppola's feeling is that, you know, they really wanted to create a place that people could come and spend the day, that families could come and spend the, the day. So there's a there's a swimming pool um, and you can rent cabanas to, you know, relax and put your stuff. There's, there's a, you know, an outdoor refreshments, there's food, there's a children's library board game. So really a way to just stay and, and spend the day. And of course, they have an on-site restaurant and all the memorabilia for movies. So that's what they wanted to create, this place that would really be a destination for families. And um, it, it really is wonderful. Okay, so I'm going to knock off three wineries at one time because they're all owned by our friend Jean-Charles Boisset. And that is Deloche, Raymond, and Buena Vista. And, and if there is anybody who understands family, is Jean-Charles. So at Buena Vista, they actually have period actors there that will tell you about the history of the winery, which I think it's the, what is it, the oldest commercial winery in California? Do I have that right? That's, you're absolutely right. That's right. And of course, the other thing I would say about Jean-Charles is also understanding entertainment or edutainment, correct? How yes, you, exactly. Um, yeah. Educate in an entertaining manner. And I think all of the wineries here, as you mentioned, Buena Vista in Sonoma County, uh, which has an amazing history and historic museum, uh, along with fun things like a hedge maze and picnic area, Raymond Vineyards, which has, you know, animals, chickens and goats, and a, a theater of nature, just all really geared to being able to communicate in a fun and interesting way what's so special about the wine business. And by the way, the theater of nature that he has isn't just uh, strictly limited to, to grapes. It covers a lot of different things. And, uh, you know, that's always been, I think, what Jean-Charles has tried to do is, is not just limit things to simply the grape and wine business, but, you know, all of the other things that are interconnected. So what are some of the others that you really feel strongly about that are, are doing cool stuff? You know, again, I think people are usually visiting a region. And again, these are just examples of things of, of many, many others that are there. But I think one really fun one I'd highlight is Klein Cellars in Sonoma County. I don't know if you've ever been in there, David, but um, it's, you know, of course, they have these lovely lawns yeah. and they've got exotic birds, vintage train cars. But what I think is most interesting is their California Missions Museum, um, which has replicas of all 21 California missions. And um, this is a really big part of California wine history, really big part of California history, the establishment of the missions. And every third grader in California has to do a report on a California mission. So uh, that's a way to combine, you know. You can do 12 reports their- there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, but anyway, that's a really fun one. I mean, I think they're just all okay. uh, kind of the I'm, way you are. I'm going to tell you the one that I think is my favorite. Are you ready? Okay. Because if I was a kid, this is where I'd want to go. Castella de Amorosa in Calistoga. Yes, be in a castle. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, there are I there mean, were there are fake castles like Excalibur in Vegas. And then there's Castello de Amorosa, which is authentic down to the very most minute details. No, you've definitely picked a great one. Um and, and in fact, you know, there uh, it's certainly it's an adult playground too, right? You know, it's something we can feel like kids when you go there but in a bit a bit um, but the fact that they also have, you know, grape juice tastings and a play area for kids just makes it perfect. And just as you say, the structure itself, which is a replica of an Italian castle um, that they brought over, in, you know, piece by piece and went to recreate is really something yeah. that I think any kid would enjoy. I mean, there's even a torture chamber. <laughs> <It's really laughs> I know, exactly. If 
the kid, if the kids misbehave, you know, they've got the Iron Maiden in there. No, I'm just kidding. Come on. Anyway, no, it's, it's just such a, uh, an amazing place. And a lot of these wineries, by the way, have wine caves and the wine caves. I don't know. They're just so magical, even to me as an adult. But Nancy, when I was a, a, a little boy, I was always digging caves and, mm-hmm. and I still mm-hmm. dig caves today, but I don't dig them with a shovel. <laughs> I just dig them anyway. And there's lots of those, uh, you know, among these uh, wineries. And then also some things like at Landmark Vineyards, they have horse-drawn carriage tours. And then you have at Behringer, don't they have a, yeah, they have a tram there, don't they? Um, Sterling has the tram. Oh, I'm talking about not, oh, not Benziger. No, Benziger. Ben- Benziger. Benziger in Sonoma County. Yeah, yeah, Benziger. I was going to mention that one because that's, yeah, they're not on our list, but they do. They have a, a tour that goes above the vineyards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To ride on the tram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, listen, hey, we're, we're very educational. So we're out of time. I'm sorry to say that, but can people find this list online? Is it available anywhere? Yes, it is. It's on our our website, discovercaliforniawines.com. Okay, discovercaliforniawines.com. And I think also if they just Google family friendly wineries in California, they'll uh, find that list. But our but our uh, website uh, includes information on wineries, and it is, as we said, it's, it's, it's good to check out the winery website and call to check if there's not information on there about what accommodations they're offering. But know that the people are, are definitely, California wineries are family-friendly. Okay. Part well, of the culture. Well, Nancy, I, I really appreciate you being on, and I appreciate everything you do for us and everything you do for the wine industry. You guys are awesome, and we're going to check back with the Wine Institute in a little bit here later in the show, but now I hate to tell you, Nancy, we're going to we're going to Oregon for a few minutes. Well, you know, that's our West Coast reverence, so enjoy the trip. <laughs> okay, we're going to talk about an event that we're actually sponsoring or helping to sponsor in Oregon, and that coming up next on Grape Encounters Radio. David will be back with more Grape Encounters in a couple of minutes, which means there simply isn't enough time for him to enjoy more than a sip or two of one of his faves. Oh, the sacrifices we make in the broadcasting business. Summertime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine and More. If you're topping off your burger with grilled onions and blue cheese, pair your work of art with a spicy Malbec. Nothing beats a buttery Chardonnay with grilled corn on the cob. I'm ready to find you the perfect bottle of white for your next get-together. Pack up the cooler for this weekend. We've got canned wine and beer ready to throw on ice. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this summer at Total Wine and More. Cheers! I want to take this opportunity to tell you about the wines of Peak Ranch. I recently discovered these truly amazing wines that are raking in top honors from the wine press. What I didn't initially realize is that I had a very strong connection to these perfectly crafted Pinots, Syrahs, Chardonnays, and more. Remarkably, these wines are produced by my very best friend from the first grade, John Wagner. Now, I have to say that John has always one-upped me in almost everything he does, and these extraordinary wines are no exception. Made from grapes grown on one of California's most historic Central Coast properties, there is no other word to describe them than perfect. Peak Ranch is doing everything right. Amazing wines that will absolutely astound you. Buy them online at peakranch.com. That's P-E-A-K-E ranch.com. 
Savor Oregon's finest wines at the Oregon Wine Experience's Grand Tasting on Sunday, August 25th. Work your way through the tasting tables and enjoy an array of delicious culinary bites. Don't miss this special opportunity to sample wines from all corners of Oregon in one unique location. The wine pours start at 2 p.m. Plan your experience today. Go to theoregonwineexperience.com to purchase tickets. The Oregon Wine Experience, it's everything Oregon. Welcome back to Grape Encounters, where we believe there's no way to fake a great wine, and where we never fake our disdain for the really bad ones. And we are back with Grape Encounters Radio, and I have to tell you about something that happened just yesterday. I was in the Grape Encounters Emporium, our wine tasting room, and this really nice couple comes in. They're interested in the wines from our local area, but we got into this great conversation, and I asked them, where are you from? And they said, we're from Portland, Oregon. And my eyes lit up because, you know, I love Oregon wines. We were there the end of last year, but we're going to be involved this year in the Oregon Wine Experience. It is just this mammoth food and wine event. It's a it's a, a, a charitable fundraiser, and we've had a few people on talking about it for, you know, over the, the last couple of months. But I now have the event officer or one of three event officers, Ashley Myers, in. And Ashley, welcome. Thanks so much for having me, David. Well, it's uh, it's such a pleasure to have you. The Oregon Wine Experience is just one of the most mammoth food and wine events out there, isn't it? It's just it's just ginormous. It is it is a pretty exceptional experience, that's for sure. Um, especially in this area, we don't often see this many people, this many wineries, and uh, this many chefs all in one place uh, over a course of just a couple of days. So it's pretty great. So this couple that came in, I was telling them about the Oregon Wine Experience, and they're coming. Seriously, I had. Uh, I, I, they're coming. Great. They're coming down from Portland, but they were so they were so excited about the whole idea. And I know there's plenty of time right now for people to book a flight out to Oregon. You know, there are not really that many food and wine events that y- you could say you know fly from any part of the world and come to it. But this one is a really deep immersion into Oregon wine and food. And as a matter of fact, wine enthusiast calls Oregon one of the top ten global wine destinations. And uh, New York Times says Oregon is right now the single most exciting winemaking area in the United States. Those are some very credible people making some very strong statements. It's pretty fantastic that we're getting that kind of recognition in Oregon, definitely. And that's one of the things that makes the Oregon Wine Experience special is that we have winery partners from all over the state of Oregon, north, south, and everywhere in between. Um, So a lot of other places are a little more regionally focused, and we get the ability to experience wine from all over Oregon in that compact four-day period of time. It's can, can I, incredible. Can I come and, and be a part of the event if I'm a California winemaker or is it strictly Oregon? We actually limit um, everyone that participates in the Oregon Wine Experience also has to enter their wines into the Oregon Wine Competition. And those entries are limited to 100% Oregon-grown grapes from a designated Oregon AVA um, that has a TTB-approved Oregon label. So very specifically oriented toward Oregon winemakers. All right, so let's talk about the wine competition because that precedes the event. And this, and I think this is a really, really important competition to monitor. And I assume that you publish the results and people can, you know, check out who the winners are, because this is going to be a who's who of Oregon 
wines. So if you're fascinated by Oregon wines or you're curious about, you know, which ones you should try, this is a great place to go to to check out the results of the competition. So explain when the competition takes place and how it all, you know, melds into the event itself. So the Oregon Wine Competition will take place this year in the middle of July. So we're looking at the weekend of July 18th through the 21st. That gives us enough time to process our results and then pull them into the event itself um, in August. So the three days um, that we have for the judges, we have one day sort of of orientation and then they judge 350 wines over the course of two days that Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Um, each so We have two panels of three judges um, and they each judge anywhere between 125 and 175 wines, depending on what our lineups look like. Ah, uh, nothing to it. <laughs> that's a lot of wine. That's a, you know, it's, it's right. really funny because your your competition is a little smaller because you're limiting it to Oregon, but some of these competitions, you know, you can end up tasting two and three hundred wines as a judge, and people go, right. you've got to be kidding me. But even, you know, yeah. when you say you say 150, it's just mind-boggling, isn't it? You know, to be able to go through that many right. wines. But we can do it. We do it, and we, you know, we, yes. take, we take one for the team, and we do it. <laughs> it's so challenging, isn't it? <laughs> it's, have well, you, one ha- of the reasons we keep the, the wine limited to that smaller number is because we really like to have the absolute highest caliber of judges. Um, so up to this point, we've sourced um, four masters of wine and two wine writers. This year, we're super excited to have two masters of wine, two master sommeliers, and two wine writers. Um, one of those is a diploma WSET. Um, wow. So it's a pretty elite group of judges, and we maintain that um, that quality each year. That is fantastic. Fantastic. So uh, yeah. again, so th- we we declare the winners, and then how mm-hmm. how do they participate in the actual event? Are we're going to be well? First of all, we're going to be able to taste wines from all of these people who enter. But is there a particular way that you call out the people who are, for instance, uh, gold medal winners? Yeah, this is where it gets really fun, actually. Okay. Um, so once we've processed all of the results, those stay secret until the actual event in August. Oh. Um, so our first event is the medal celebration which is on Thursday, August 22nd. Um, and we do have some ultimate vintner dinners leading up to that, but no one still knows um, who the winners are at that point. Wow. Um, so once we hit the medal celebration, that's when we spend the evening really highlighting these wineries. Um, a large number of our winery partners attend that event. Um, and as a guest, you're actually getting to taste everything from, you know, we start off with silver medal winners um, and then you'll see gold medal winners once you get to your table. And then we walk through our double golds and best of show um, sort of in a more highlighted format with our program and a big unveiling for those three best of shows at the end. Um, And as a participant, you would get to taste through all of those wines, including the best of show on that Thursday night. Oh, man. You're looking at a good 225 wines or so. Uh, Pretty incredible. It's a big Uber night, that's for sure. Yes. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yes, definitely. But I like the way you do it because, you know, generally speaking, competitions, they, they announce the winners in a very, you know, subdued sort of way. So I love that you're making some fuss over it. That that sounds great. Do they stand on a podium, the winners, and they play the Oregon uh, State song? Oh, not quite that elaborate. <laughs> okay. um, but we do have lots of confetti. Lots of confetti. Okay, that, that sounds fun. <laughs> now, we've got a, we don't have a lot of time here, so I want to talk about the culinary end of things because you're intimately involved in that. And uh, as I said, I was just up in Oregon and I so love the food up there. Tell me mm-hmm. what people are going to experience food-wise. This year, we're really focusing on how 
sort of that what grows together goes together concept. A lot of our chefs right now are working with local ingredients. Um, one of our main events, Metal Celebration, actually, um, our main um, food or our culinary partner there, excuse me, um, is working with local farms. Each chef will be paired with a different local farm and be working with the produce oh, that comes cool. directly from that base. Um, so we try to partner as much with our local um, community growers as possible. And I think that that really speaks to the way that Oregon wines are grown is we're definitely moving toward how do we best express the varietals in the space and how does the food play into to that. That is such a great concept and it's not something that you hear very often. I know others do do that, but I love that format. So mm-hmm. let me ask you this. You've been to obviously past events, right? Mm-hmm. So of of all the events that you've gone to, what's the most mouthwatering thing you ever tasted? Oh, goodness. Have, has anyone ever asked you what your favorite varietal is? Yes, I hate when they do that. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I go, I go. You can't put me into a corner like that. You know what? When you're when you're a wine journalist, that's all they ever ask you. What's your favorite wine? I go, I don't know, the one that's in my hand. <laughs> it, it, that is exactly true. Okay. Because for it, for those of us that I think really enjoy this process, it's not just about whether you like it or whether you don't like it. It's not about what's your favorite thing or your least favorite. It's really about the experience, and that's what we're going for. How do you learn how to taste through right. 200 wines over the course of the day? Right. You know, how do you use food to work yourself through that process and sort of educating our consumers with not just this goes with this, but experience this particular item, you know, try yeah. that cheese with that Chardonnay or, yeah, you know, exactly. how does it taste when you pair it with an almond instead? Yeah. Um, and I think that process is what makes the experience a little more. All right. Well, I, I hate to tell, tell you, Ashley, but we're out of time and we're, we're, we're going to revisit this a number of times before the event actually happens. But Thursday, August 22nd is the medal celebration. And then Friday, August 23rd is the Founders Barrel Auction. And we talked about that in a recent show. Then there's mm-hmm. the Salmon Bake on Saturday. Oh, and the Miracle Auction. You don't miss that. <laughs> and then the Grand Tasting on Sunday. That's going to be a fun day. So for more information, where do we send folks? Going to theoregonwineexperience.com. Theoregonwineexperience.com. Okay. And I, by the way, am going to the Oregon Wine Experience, but not even the .com. I'm going to be at the Real Deal thing, and I'm inviting listeners to come. I, if you let me know, you drop me a line, I will meet you there, and I promise you, I'll meet you in person. So please come. It's going to be a lot of fun. Ashley Myers, event officer for the Asante Group, and by the way, the proceeds go to the Asante Foundation, and that funds the Children's Miracle Network and other things, right, within the within the hospital group. Correct, yeah. Okay, got it correct. So it all goes for a great cause, and you get to have a great time. Ashley, thanks for being on. Thanks so much. Can't wait to meet you. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll be there. I'm going to be there for a week. So uh, I look awesome. forward I look forward to seeing you. And, and you can ask me what my favorite food was, okay? Okay. Sounds great. <laughs> okay. All right. We're going to be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. Sometimes drinking wine makes you just want to curl up in a comfy chair and dream about puppy dogs, faraway places, and other happy thoughts. Or you can just enjoy that cuvee in your glass and lose yourself in the conversation on Grape Encounters Radio. Summertime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Nothing beats beers and burgers. And with so many to choose from, we've got the perfect cold one waiting for you. Serving up salads at your cookout this weekend? Add a dry rosé to the table for a perfect pairing. When I'm the barbecue grill master, I've got to have a cold lager in my hand. Hey, grab me another. 
Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this summer at Total Wine & More. Cheers! Nestled right in between two world-class wine countries, Paso Robles and San Luis Obispo, the warm and inviting city of Atascadero is the perfect gateway to nearly endless wine country adventures. Cozy and oh-so-friendly, make historic Atascadero home base for adventures to hundreds of surrounding wineries, the nearby Pacific, and magical Hearst Castle, plus an amazing array of attractions from ziplining to delectable dining. Discover all that affordable Atascadero has to offer at visitatascadero.com. I want to take this opportunity to tell you about the wines of Peak Ranch. I recently discovered these truly amazing wines that are raking in top honors from the wine press. What I didn't initially realize is that I had a very strong connection to these perfectly crafted Pinots, Syrahs, Chardonnays, and more. Remarkably, these wines are produced by my very best friend from the first grade, John Wagner. Now, I have to say that John has always one-upped me in almost everything he does, and these extraordinary wines are no exception. Made from grapes grown on one of California's most historic Central Coast properties, there is no other word to describe them than perfect. Peak Ranch is doing everything right. Amazing wines that will absolutely astound you. Buy them online at peakranch.com. That's P-E-A-K-E ranch.com. People often ask, why hasn't someone tarred and feathered Grape Encounters host David Wilson for breaking so many of the old rules? Simple. No one likes the old rules. Back with Grape Encounters Radio, and if you're like me, I have become in the past couple of years a news junkie because there's so much news going on every single day. And I know all of us probably are asking the question about the tariffs. Just how does this impact me? Well, actually, I, I'm not in the market for a lot of electronics or even tennis shoes right at the moment, so I don't think about it from that perspective, but I do think about it from the perspective of wine, and I've been very curious about what's going on wine-wise where the tariffs are concerned. I'm not going to take any particular political position here because that's just not what we do here, but I'm here to inform you, and here to inform me is Honor Comfort. She's the VP of International Marketing for the Wine Institute. Honor, this is serious stuff, right? Yeah, it really is, David. And thank you so much for having me on the show today so we can talk about it. So I read a press release that you folks put into circulation, and I was thinking that the tariffs right now were something like 25%, but there has been, I guess, one tariff added on top of another on top of another. And I'm not going to say what the the total will be, but can you just go through? <laughs> it, there have been, what, one, two, three, now four, four or five. Can you walk us through that? Yeah. Wow. Yes, absolutely. And I'll tell you that new total, once we basically add together all of these tariffs, it's a 98% combination of taxes and uh, tariffs on the price of the wine. Oh, you're so ki- you're killing me. It doubles the, I know. 
basically doubles the price of California wines that are sold in China. And this is particularly challenging because China is one of the fastest growing wine markets in the world. It's slated to be second in terms of wine sales only to the U.S. in the next few years. And in fact, it's been a very important market for all of our California wineries that export their wines um, because China and Hong Kong together have grown over 450% in terms of sales over the past decade. Oh my so gosh. what that means is that there are a lot of wine lovers in China and Hong Kong that have grown to love California wines. And, and we know why that is, right? Since we love California wines. But these tariffs just make it really, really difficult, not only for our wineries to sell our wines in China, but sadly for Chinese customers to purchase them. The thing that I wonder about this is, and I know China represents a pretty significant market, and you've just you know told us that, for American wines, which means that mm-hmm. if American wineries, winemakers are losing revenue, then doesn't that mean that they're going to have to get it someplace else, which is probably going to be from domestic consumers? I'm just asking. Well, I'm speculating I, I mean, here. I hear you. And that's a really good question to ask. I don't have that answer for you because, of course, each winery runs their own business separately and they'll make different decisions um, about how to deal with this. Right. Some just may stop exporting their wines altogether into China. Others will look to other emerging markets around the world. Others will make other choices about pricing, etc. So uh, I hesitate to speculate too much on that. But what I do know is this does come back and ultimately hurt the many family farmers and wine growers who really are the backbone of the California wine industry and the U.S. wine industry as a whole. And, you know, I, I work for the California Wine Institute, so I'm really you know, intimately connected with all of our California wineries here. But these tariffs are affecting all U.S. wineries that export. And so that includes our friends up in Oregon and Washington and New York, of course, as well. So, um, I mean, California makes up more than 95% of the U.S. wine exports. So we really are the the bulk of it. But absolutely, it's challenging for all of the wineries that are selling their their wines right now over to China. It occurs to me, I, I was thinking about the evolution of the growth of wine consumption in China. And initially, their passion was really pointed toward places like Bordeaux. And it took a while Mm -hmm. for California to catch on. And now they have a very strong passion for California wines. That just makes me wonder with these tariffs, whether they will go someplace else instead of paying the tariff. Or are the Chinese just so darn rich that they can just afford to take a doubling of the price as a hit. I hope. (laughs) (laughs) That would be nice. And um, as well in any wine market, there are consumers at all economic levels and tiers, right? So I'm certain that there are some collectors that have very deep pockets um, for whom their desire to purchase U.S. wines, the tariffs just won't even affect that. They'll just buy the wines anyway at that luxury, luxury level. We understand that. Yeah. Um, however, what we've really been focused on building over the past two decades, really, has been an interest in our wines at more of the general consumer level. And um, there's a rapidly growing middle class in China. And that's where there was a lot of interest in, yeah. in our wine. And that was a very fast growing segment of the market. 
Unfortunately, these tariffs really hit that segment of the market particularly hard. And so that's what we're hearing from a lot of our winery members. And they're concerned that they've invested a huge amount of time and effort and money in developing this market and getting their wines Yeah, that's for sure, right. Building relationships. I mean, you know this, that the, the wine industry is really all about people, right? It's about building relationships with your customers from people that buy your wines off the shelf right. at restaurants to your importers and the accounts where you sell. And so what's challenging is that many of those relationships are now at risk that we've spent so yeah. much time building. Well, it's a, it's going to be an ongoing story. We don't know what's going to happen in the end, but I sure appreciate you coming on and just kind of spelling out exactly what's happening. And again, I'm not going to get political here other than to just disseminate the information because we hear a lot about soybean farmers and other farm products that go from the U.S. to China, but wine's not one that I've heard anybody talking about. So I'm afraid it's hitting this industry incredibly hard and I do appreciate you coming on. Yeah, you know, and it is. And one of the things to keep in mind with wine is that unlike other agricultural commodity products, wine, which is a finished product, really has a much larger economic impact and makes a bigger footprint. And there are so many people all the way through that value chain start to feel the impact. So at the Wine Institute, we're working really closely with our representatives and with our government officials to resolve the situation and do everything we can to move past it quickly. All right. Well, stay on. And honor, honor, comfort, VP of International Marketing for the Wine Institute. I'm afraid that's going to do it for Grape Encounters today. Sorry to end on a sour note, folks, but you know, we'll be back on a sweet note next week when we begin another episode of Grape Encounters Radio. We will see you then. Well, this episode of Grape Encounters is in the bag. It's hard to imagine you haven't missed some episodes, so why not hunt them down at GrapeEncounters.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast sites. Grape Encounters Studios are located in beautiful Atascadero, California. That's Central Coast wine country, baby. Come visit us. But be warned, you won't want to leave. That's okay. We have a spare bedroom. But it's 55 degrees and full of old bottles.